takes to create a writing career, then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about creating a writer's life and crafting a sustainable writer's career, right? There's lots of ins and outs to doing that. We get to it on the show. It's more than just creating good writing. It's also running the writing business, getting out there before your audience, finding editors and agents. So we get into all of that in this show. And today we have special guest EA Amar to talk to us about how he crafted his career and what he's doing now. Welcome, Ed. Thank you so much, Polly. I'm so happy to be here. I love your podcast and uh, thanks so much for having me on. Oh, I'm thrilled that you're here, and I cannot wait to talk about your most recent book, but also your process. Your your most recent book was an instant Amazon bestseller. It's called No Home for Killers, and it's also been praised by the New York Times, Kirkus, the South Florida Sun Sentinel, and your previous thriller was They're Gone, and that also was published to rave reviews. You are an active member of Crime Writers of Color and Sisters in Crime. You run the D.C., noir at the bar series got a lot going on ed yeah i mean the secret is i'm not a great uh father or husband so that frees <laughs> up so much time well yeah i mean that and every day they need to eat and that kind of thing it's just ongoing i, I don't know about every day <laughs> we start each show with the dailies what does a regular day in the life of ed amar look like so uh, my uh, my day starts early, and I don't know how long this is sustainable, but it's been going for a few <laughs> years, and I keep wondering if it's sustainable. But I start my day around four, and that's when I do my oh, writing. So goodness, yeah, about four to seven is uh, for writing, and then at seven o'clock I get my kid ready for school. That's when my writing ends. He goes off to school, and then usually for like an hour I. Well, okay, let's be real. Like thirty minutes, I work out, and then, um, and then I go. To, then I do my day job. I work from home, so that's great. But then, day job, and then it's uh, my kid gets home from school, help him with his homework, and then it's dinner. And usually, I really would like to do more reading than I do, but I'm really tired. <laughs> I <laughs> bet you are. Point. So yeah, you know it 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 sucks because my writing's all contained to that one morning period for the most part, most most of the time. Hey, weekends are a little different, but um, it it you know it I'm I what I really don't like about this is I've discovered I'm a morning person, and I never was, and I feel like you know my mind's fresher, I'm more alert in the morning, and I just hate that. <laughs> I, I really, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, before I had uh, a child, no way. And then, and I had all these conditions and I would write away and, and then the kid comes along and I've written in, you know, in the backseat of a car <laughs> Yeah, wherever I'm at to get, get those moments. And, and I'm working full-time as a writer, but there are other kinds of writing I do to keep me going today. You know, I'm, I'm interviewing you and, and that's my continuing education to talk to other writers, but I have to get out a, a proposal for an idea that I'm working on. It took our 
daughter to school, did the breakfast thing, all of that. I've had a lot of correspondence to do, touching base with certain editors and so forth. Very rarely do I get to sit and write all day. Um, and I think that's a surprise to a lot of people when they envision what a writer does and how that looks. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and part of it, you know, it's just like the, I, I, I don't know if I, if I had the opportunity to write full time and just, you know, and I got paid to write what I wanted, um, which is sort of the dream that I think that we're all kind of chasing. I don't know if I'd spend more time writing. I think <laughs> I would still write about three hours and then spend the rest of the time uh, playing video games or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it takes a mental toll. You know, I don't think I want to write six hours a day or eight hours a yeah. day. It's too much. Oh, that's too much. Is your day job related to the writing profession? Not really. Um, it no. <laughs> a better oh, answer. Is, yeah, short answer, not really long answer. No. Um, I <laughs> do. So my my day job right now, I do marketing for uh, University Press, um, but I market their journals, not their, um, and I market their public health journals. So it's really not related whatsoever. I will say that. The marketing aspect, because I've worked in marketing for about 20, over 20 years now, um, that's been, that's given me a slight advantage as far as like outreach and promotions than, mm -hmm. than other writers have. But there's a, a, a marked difference between promoting an existing product that's relatively well known versus a completely unknown product like most writers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a little bit of an advantage but but not a not a, a terribly distinct one and those are the dailies all right we're here with ed amar and he just told us he starts writing at 4 a.m how do you come to the page ed do you know what you're going to pick up from the night before do you start with editing do you uh, do a prompt or writing practice before you jump right in? Or are you just using that solid three hours to get through your next chapter or your next book? Yeah, I tend to jump right in. I I find that if I don't, um, it, it's very hard for me. Like I used to have a, a process where I would read what I wrote the, the day before and edit it and then start writing. And, and that worked well, but it it's hard for me to really have a defined process I I return to, which is strange because I'm very much a creature of habit. But when it comes to writing, it's almost like every book has a, a slightly different variation of how it needs to be approached. Everything I write has a slight, you know, so I, I can't say like, okay, here's step one, step two, step three. For me, it really, um, it, it really differs based off what I'm writing. And that, that changes within the book. So hmm. sometimes I may be working on something where I'll, read, where I'll read the last few pages and edit them and then start writing uh, the, next, um, the next chapter. But, you know, it, it really varies on sort of on how I'm feeling too and what I want to do. I have to be excited about it. And I think a process can um, occasionally limit that excitement. So do you know where the book is going when you start it? Or does that evolve as you go too? It evolves a little bit. I usually have a sense of where the book, where I want it to go and where I want it to end and a couple of really uh, climatic moments within it. Um, and then I'm a fastidious outliner. 
I outline everything. Like I said, I'm very much a creature of habit. So I'm, I'm probably one step removed from having my pencils completely aligned in the exact. <laughs> uh, I get that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so for me, like I know writers who don't outline, but I have to outline everything. And, and I, I know that a lot of writers worry that that sort of makes your writing less exciting, that it has a chance of limiting your surprise, but you're not entirely married to the outline. And if I'm writing something that begins to bore me, it's going to, I know it's going to bore the reader. So I, I refuse to let that happen. I think that's a great point. Do you outline as you go, or do you spend a month or two on the outline and then start on the book? I don't spend that long on the outline, probably okay. a few days Okay. because yeah. yeah, so it's a little rough and I expect that. Um, but I also don't want to spend that much time away from writing. I, I feel like for me, writing is like what I imagine it, people who go to the gym feel like if I'm not, if I miss a few days, you know, it starts to feel flabby. You know, I'm, I, I know writers who can write on contract and that's the only time they write. So if they have a, a they're being paid for something, then they go, I'm, I'm just not built that way. I have to do it almost every day. Otherwise, um, I feel like that muscle gets, uh, gets uh, weak. Yeah, I relate to that. I don't feel good either. I mean, there are days I don't feel like writing, but if I go a couple of days without, even my husband will be like, just, you need to go, go pick up a pen and paper, go to the computer, get something out, because I feel like it's a lot harder for me to hold the thread of the story, to hold the skill level, to, to keep my chops, really. I'm not that good, I guess. I'm, not, I'm just not that good enough. I got to keep going every day. I don't know. You know, I, 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 I worry about the same thing. And most of the things I don't do that other writers do, I feel like I'm lacking something. You know, I'm like, oh, I don't do that. So that's why I suck. But <laughs> I, I, I think it's really just how you're, you know, how you're structured and how you're, you know, what works best for you. I would never recommend what I do to anyone else. And that's not because it's arduous or impractical, just because you, this isn't the kind of thing you can chew on. You know, I, I will say I, t I steal from other writers all the time. I steal, I, I'll listen to things, I'll hear what they do and I'll, and I'll apply, you know, some of the techniques they have and stuff. So there's, I, I think the nice thing about this is that it's, it's something you're continually learning. We talk a lot about that on the show is that there's, there's no one way to do it, but you have to know your way of doing it. And, and so you can prime yourself that way. If you're an outline guy, do the outline a couple of days before you start writing. If you're an early morning or late night, per but find the thing that helps you get the work done, whatever that is. I think, and like you said, I think that's a great point. It really changes from project to project to me. I, I do a lot of nonfiction. I've written several nonfiction books. Right now I'm writing nonfiction and it's really a different experience for me. And, and I've had to let go of some things that I thought I knew to do the fiction work because it's a different muscle for me, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I write, I write essays and I've uh, written nonfiction pieces um, in, in different publications and, and I do some reviews, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, at first I began to worry about my fiction because the nonfiction tends to come a little bit easier for me. And I, I don't mean it's easy. I just mean there's something about it that I think has a, uh, a very defined mathematical approach to it prior to starting. I know the argument I'm making and I know where I want it to end and that's it. And it's, and it's usually about something that already exists. 
right? So if it's a book review, I, I know already kind of what I want to say and how I want to say it and, and where I want to leave the reader. If it's a, a short story, there's no defined world there, you know, and it, it comes, that, that world comes as it's developed. So that, that process is a lot harder. And I wondered, you know, I used to think like, well, maybe I'm not doing as well with this, maybe I'm not doing it right. But like he said, it, it took me a while to realize that even though you're using, it's the exact same tools, the exact same, you know, you're sitting at a computer, you're writing, you're, but it's a, a completely different process. Yeah, it feels different in my mind and my body for sure when I'm doing that. And you have a day job. You don't have to write critically acclaimed thrillers. What are you doing at four in the morning? What, what drives you to do this with your family, with your work, with the other stuff you've got going on? I, I think in some ways it's, you know, there, there's, I, I've heard writers answers to this question and they'll, they'll say, you know, this is the only thing I'm good at. And I, and I feel sometimes that same way. Like, I, I don't think I'm bad at my day job or bad at marketing, but it's, it's, it's not something that I care about as much. And writing's always been that thing for me. I will say, though, that, and the reason I stumbled at the beginning is because it's very hard. It was very hard when I was, um, you know, I, I remember when I was trying to find a publisher for the book prior to No Home for Killers for They're Gone and and no one was biting on it. And I and I thought that was a really good commercial book. I, I still think it was a very good commercial book. And and the fact that it wasn't that none of the big five publishers were biting on it made me doubt so much of myself. And I remember telling my wife when I like this was and this is also around 2020, so the start of the pandemic. And I I told her, you know, like I don't get it because this is this is the thing I'm good at. And if I'm not good at this, I, I don't feel like I have anything, you know, and, and it, it, that, that night, I remember that night because it was just, you know, it wasn't like a, a really emotional night or anything. It was just, you know, I, she was consoling me about that and I was confiding in her, but something about that sense of this is all I have, um, is an important thing, but a, a dangerous thing. And something you have to you have to learn to to um, to compartmentalize and figure out how you can deal with that. It's part of the process of dealing with rejection. I think it is so hard. I often talk to new writers about the mindset. I think it's more essential than even writing well because no matter how good you do the writer's job, for some people it's not going to be good enough or the market's not going to be right, or only your mom is going to read the book or whatever it is. You know, I heard somebody say on a podcast earlier that there's all these people that go into making a book a bestseller. You know, you do the writing, but then it goes off into the world and it's beyond your control. And yet the writer is often held accountable about for whether a book sells or not. When, when after we give it out, there's very little uh, opportunity we have to to make it work further. There's a whole team of people that can help with that. And I think just what you said is so important to go through that moment. This is what we do. So who are we if nobody wants us to do it, you know, and to keep going despite those feelings that I have absolutely had that feeling. And I probably will next week again, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's important. 
it's, yes. it's something that I think, you know, so many writers, you need to go through, you know, I started writing seriously, which, which for me, and, and this is very subjective to me, was, was a daily, was every day in 97. And I didn't have my first book published till the mid 2010s, like 2016 or something. So it, it, it was a really long process. And there weren't times where I took breaks. It wasn't like I took five years off or anything. I mean, I was writing, it took me, it took me a shorter time as the years went on to write novels. So the first novel took like six or seven years, and then it took like four years, you know, and I was doing other things, but I was always writing and always trying. And it was all, you know, for the most part, I mean, I had, there was times where like the second book I wrote got a, a, an agent, but she didn't sell it. I mean, there was, there was moments of optimism and hope, but that rejection and that, that arduous part was so important to me. And so, it wasn't the way I advised people to go through it. You know, I think there's other way, like you should, I, I didn't talk to people. I didn't join a community. I didn't join organizations. I, none of that. And I think that would have made my process faster, but going through that, um, it, it's just part of the, the difference with this field, you know, part of the art and it's, it's an important. So for me, you know, to your, your earlier question of, you know, why do it? Um, I love being on this side finally. You know, yeah. I, I, to me, it's it, anything I get to do where somebody calls me a writer is, 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 you know, a, a gift. I mean, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, that's a great feeling. And people are loving No Home for Killers. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back with Ed Amar, we're going to talk about writing thrillers, a little bit into craft and some of the things we can do in our own writing to become better writers right here on simply write with Polly on the creators network of electric house and we are back on simply write with Polly you're listening to the creators network of electric cast and we're talking with thriller writer author essay writer he does all kinds of things Ed Amar you'll find his books under EA Amar why the pen name, Ed? Where'd that come from? Yeah, I, I wish it was something lofty, but in truth, I just don't like how Ed Amar looks in print. <laughs> well, that, I, I like that answer. You got you, Your name's going to be all over these books. You got to like what you see out there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Why thrillers? Where did you come to that thrillers and mysteries and that suspense style? So when I went to college, I, I didn't get an MFA, but I went to a school that has uh, that's graduated fantastic writers and has a, a wonderful writing program. I went to George Mason and Tara Laskowski and Art Taylor and John Copenhaver and so many other good writers came from that program. And um, uh, I was in there and the, I was there as an undergraduate and I was sort of reared on the canon. You know, and and within that, there was no genre fiction. So when I left college and I was in that wonderful, wonderful state where you're learning how to write and you're reading everything and there's really no, you don't know the rules. So you're, you're learning how to write as you go. And I was, um, you know, I wanted to write literary fiction and I wasn't very good at literary fiction, <laughs> but the best parts of it were the parts that involved crime or involve some kind of criminal activity. And as I read more and more and began reading the area, I read writers like Laura Littman and Sujata Massey and uh, others from the DC, Maryland, Virginia region. And I realized, you know, these are, th their books are as good as the literary fiction I enjoyed. 
and that really was sort of my my gateway into it you know i began to realize like this is what i want to this is what i enjoy reading it's what i want to write and uh yeah thrillers sort of were uh, the subgenre within crime fiction i found I, I, I mean, I have read some great thriller writers that came from George Mason, you know, and Tara and Art have both been on this show. And it's so ironic because they said the same. Well, there wasn't really an emphasis on this. So we went out and did this and we love it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. What do you say when people say there's so much violence and hostility in this world? Anyhow, what are you doing with a thriller or a mystery that are you raising that level up? Are you raising that negative vibe or are you somehow looking at these social issues and and maybe providing beyond a good story some commentary on those yeah you know it's <laughs> it's i was thinking about this the other day and it's it's tough for me because in a way i really like violence and by that i mean cartoonish violence you know i like marvel i i love marvel movies i'll see every everyone i like star wars i like you know as a kid i love professional wrestling i did mixed martial i did judo and i did uh jujitsu and I wrestled in high school and all of that, though, it, you know, the distinction is all that is, is contained violence and controlled violence. And there's not going to be an, uh, you know, the, this kind of, you know, non, uh, not ending to it. I, I, I find with real violence that it affects me pretty deeply and I, and, and I, I'd love to be able to write about sort of the the end of the Marvel movie fight or something or or put humor in the violence. But I, I tend to go the opposite way. And I try to make it as disconcerting for the reader as it can be. I, I want I, I don't want someone, even even if the good guy wins, I don't want people to feel good about that. Um, and that's that's a bit of a problem as a writer because you know we're we're writing entertainment. And my violence isn't going to be entertaining. So that's, that's something I've struggled with. And I've tried to, to use that to sort of detail my view of the violence in the world. That it, it's, you know, I, I get the appeal and the, the, the adoration of violence, but I feel like this lack of appreciation we have for it um, can lead to some some very uh, very difficult challenges. Yeah, I mean, I have that sense on your work. It's it's absolutely not uh, something you take lightly or or um, grandiosely or any of that. It's it's a part of these characters, and it's it is intense in your book. Another thing I find interesting in No Home for Killers, a couple well, a couple of things. First of all. Um, there are some jerks in this book, right? <laughs> and 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 yet I really like that. And it, it explores our responsibility to the complexity of human nature. Like we're not all great people. And what is our responsibility to that and as family and so forth? But the other thing is you have some strong uh, women characters as well. And I'm curious about that. Have you gotten any pushback on... Uh, you know, a guy who was born in Panama writing about women. Have you, you know, do you write about other races? Do you, what do you think about this whole conversation that many writers are being subjected to now? Like, well, you're a white woman. You cannot write about a black guy or whatever it is. What do you think about that dialogue that's going on? 
I mean, I, I am very happy that these conversations are happening, and I think it's important, and I think it's part of a change. You know, I, I think we're in a we're in a change right now, not just in writing, but in society, and it's messy, and it's it's not something that's recent, but we're in this. I, I feel like we're in a new stage in writing where we've had almost a new movement. Like we had postmodernism and realism and romanticism, and all of those were defined by certain, generally by certain stylistic uh, choices that writers made. I think we're in one now where it's about identity and who tells the story and what that story is and and why they're telling it, and that extent it's different than the others. But I do think it's part of this new movement that later years from now historians are going to roughly categorize in some way. Um, and, you know, as a, as a man writing woman, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, I want to be, I haven't been, no one's called me out on it. No one said that I got this wrong or something. Part of that's because my early readers and my editor and my agent are all very strong, outspoken women, uh, who, will have no problem holding me accountable or taking me to task on something I get wrong, which I greatly appreciate. Um, I, I think part of it also is how you tell a story and, and why you're telling it, because I none of my characters are there because I think they're cool or something. Sometimes I'll get a question from somebody who's like, a lot of times people think I'm black and I'm not sure a lot of white writers will reach out to me. This has happened like five times and they'll say, hey, I have a, a black character in this book. Can you check their dialogue yeah. and make sure? And I'm like, well, okay, I'm not black, <laughs> but also why do you, you know, I mean, why, why is this character there? You know, why is this important? you know, important to your story, or is this something you think is, is cool for some reason? Um, and with me, I, I'm not trying to do that with my characters. I think the big mistake a lot of writers make, and I think it's chiefly men who make this mistake, is we use it to brag. Mm. We're like, okay, if you want to see, if you want to, you know, you're going to be so impressed by my woman character that you're going to think a woman must have written this, you know, because here's how, let me, let me tell you how she feels when she gets her period. And everyone's like, no, you don't need to do that. It's fine. You know, you don't have to get too, <laughs> too yeah. far here. We, we get it. You know, I, 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 I take a bit of a distance with my characters. You know, they're all third. I write in the third person, not first person. I, 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 it's important for me to, to keep the woman in my stories as the center of my stories, but not at the risk of, yeah, I never want them to be artificial. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good uh, craft lesson for all of us. None of your characters should be gratuitous. I mean, they right. all need to have a purpose. They all need to have a change. They they need to know what they're doing in the story. And that means you've got to know before you ever write them. I, I agree. I think we fall into real danger if we say writers can only write from their perspective and their experience because writing by default, I think, is an exercise of imagination and allows us to bring up things um, and introduce things and, and share ideas that maybe uh, other communities wouldn't have thought of. But you better get it right. And that means yeah. not being impressive. It's not your job to show off. It's your job to get it right. And however you do that, and that means to the experiences of those different groups and the, your experiences. And if you're if you're a woman writing about a guy, you know, 
don't be cliche about that. Don't make those jokes or whatever it is, because that's not that's not real writing. That's not true to the character, I don't think. Yeah, and it, it you know it's one of the things that my it, you know my when No Home for Killers was the in the first draft. It was originally through three points of view. Right now, it's the stories about a murdered jazz musician and his two sisters are brought together to find out what happened. Originally, that jazz musician had a, a POV leading up to his death. Mm. And my editor, um, he said, you know, I don't think you should have his POV. And I asked her why. And she said, well, two reasons. The first is I hate him. And the second <laughs> is because, which was enough, but the second reason was she said, it's not his story. It's the story of his effect on the woman yeah. around him and his corrosiveness. And that was, um, you know, that was illuminating for me. And, 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 and it really tied into this, this discussion we're having. That brings us to my favorite segment, What's in the Desk? Is there anything you have to have around you while you write? Do you listen to music? Do you have a special pen or a mug? What do you need to get the writing done? Nothing, really. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, um, I, I do like to have, I, I have an office where I write and, um, and it, you know, it has usually what I do is I, if I'm working on a book, I have the uh, outline tape on the wall next to me. So I can follow it there. And then I have pictures of each character that are usually, you know, actors that in my mind resemble them. But I have those taped around me too. And I never thought about it really until somebody, I, I was discussing it with somebody and they said, oh, you're immersing yourself in your story. Hmm. And I was like, I think you're right. I think that's it. I think it's just like, um, yeah, it, it helps me like, when I sit down, I'm I'm inside the pages, sort of. Do those pictures change then, depending on the book you're you're working on? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Because yeah. my books are standalones, and even though right, I, right. I tend to have them in a shared universe and characters will appear uh, or reappear, I um they do change, and sometimes they'll change as I'm writing the story. You know, like a character doesn't fit, and I'm like, oh, you know what? If they were this person, that would be. But yeah, it's um that's important to me. But I will say that. You know, people have, I, I, I know when I talk, especially to aspiring writers, and they'll talk about needing the right place to write, and I'm like, I get that, and I understand it, but, you know, we don't always have that luxury. People have written great works in war, in prison, in, you know, confined by physical or mental illness. I mean, it's... Uh, if you have the luxury and the opportunity to have your little writing shed, that's great. That's, I, I envy you. But if not, that's fine too. Yeah, I, I agree. We, we can use those things as excuses for not doing the writing. And I love my little papers, my little notebooks. But dang, like I said, I've written on picnic tables and in bathrooms, yeah. and, you know, wherever I am at the time when I need to get the work done. Is there anything, Ed, before we sign off here that you would suggest to writers who are just starting where you started years ago and we're plugging through, maybe they have a day job as well and they, they're carving out a time to write. Is there a way for them to stick with it or get into it? Any piece of wisdom you want to share? It's important to be inspired. And that's really what keeps you going. And it won't always happen through writing. You know, it may be TV shows, which can be really good, you know, nowadays. It may be uh, music, you know, it may be movies. It could be anything, art. Um, 
But the important thing is to always keep yourself inspired and searching. And be you're at a wonderful state when you're beginning because you don't know the rules yet. And your writing is sort of this wonderful, like, encompassing world you're stepping into and you're looking around. And, and it's, it's lovely. I, I love that moment in time. And you, you don't really get that quite back in the same way. Um, I would say that's paramount. I would say make sure you find a writing organization and or friends or writers group it can be great. It can be, you know, depending on the group, it can be harmful, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing. And those things also serve as inspiration. So I would say that if you, there'll be times when you need to keep yourself going, you need to keep yourself motivated. And that's one of the best ways to do it. You belong to Sisters in Crime and Writers of Color? Is that right? Yeah. And you've belonged yeah. to other groups. Now, you said you didn't start with them, so you evolved into them, and that's been helpful to you then, being part of that or those organizations? Yeah, you know, when my first book came out, it was with a really small publisher, and there wasn't a lot of promotion or anything. And uh, this is the, a book that's no longer in print. And um, I joined the International Thriller Writers, and I was part of their debut program. And I was sitting, you know, uh, they introduced all their debut writers at their annual conference and I was sitting on a stage with writers who were published with you know Simon and Schuster and Penguin and Random House, you know, and I was in their company. I was at the same, you know, they didn't have me seated somewhere else or anything. And and that that was important. So yeah, it, I if I had done that earlier, I probably would have found, you know, a lot of tips as far as writing and and for publishing too. When you get into once your once your writing becomes professional. Once you're publishing it, it's really imperative to have some outside guidance. And that's the other thing I would say to any aspiring writer is, you know, the importance of a, of a good agent, of a good editor, of, of friends who have published. That experience is paramount because yeah. this is an ever-changing field. It's a confusing field. Nobody quite understands it, um, <laughs> even the people entrenched in it. And you you need to be, you need to, to treat it, you need to research it as seriously as you research something for your books. And I think when I've been around those people that are taking writing seriously as a business, um, I've taken myself more seriously too. I've taken yeah. my business more seriously. And, and I, I agree with all that you're saying that find that collective, no matter what kind of writing you're doing, romance, right? There's all kinds of stuff. There's content marketing writers, there's conventions, you know, we cover all ways of making a living from writing here, but find your people because it not only do you learn your stuff, but it reminds you what you're doing and what you're capable of doing because they're doing it too. It matters. No hope for killers. It's uh, getting lots of rave reviews. People are picking it up. That has to feel pretty good. Yeah, I've never had a book that that sold like this or was reviewed in as many places as, as this is. So it's been it's been lovely. They, they've done a fan. Thomas Mercer and my editor, uh, Jessica, um, did such a great job with it. So fantastic. Yeah, well, pick it up. No home for killers. And you have another book I read coming out in 2024. Correct? Yeah, uh, when she left. Yeah. Okay. Where can we keep up on what you're working on and where we can get your books and so forth? So my website, uh, eamar.com, E-A-Y-M-A-R.com is the best way probably. And there's a, uh, I have a newsletter that I put out monthly called Crime Fiction Works. And it 
I talk a little bit about my writing in it and I have like an author's note where I include all that, but then I usually include 10 releases or so then crime fiction that I'm excited about and I'll have author interviews and other stuff on there. So it's kind of a thing for me and also all, all, all things crime fiction. Well, fantastic. And you can find me on my column, which is on Substack. Look for simplywrite.substack.com. And I will have links to Ed's site and other things that I'm thinking about writing and working. You can also find me at polycampbell.com. E-A-A-M-R, thank you for being here. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Polly. This was lovely. Loved it. And for me, too. Now, remember, writers, go off into the world this week. Sit down and simply write. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.